Welcome to Beyond the Boundaries, a group relations podcast sponsored by Group Relations International. Today, I'm here with my co-hosts, Amber Williams, Rod Smith, What's happening? Lauren Levy, and myself, of course, Emmanuel Manny Mano Molin. That's right. Today, I'm extremely excited to announce that we have a guest with us for our episode. This guest is the co-founder and executive director of Group Relations International, co-author of the BART article, Boundaries, Authority, Role, and Task, with husband Zachary Green, as well as many other Group Relations articles, leadership coach to top executives around the globe, professor, energy healer, silence worker, former clergyman, licensed therapist, father, mentor, and friend, Renee Molenkamp. Renee. Hi, Renee. (laughs) It's terrible. It's terrible. (laughs) We love it. Thank you. Thank you. You're too kind. Renee, it's it's really humbling to have you here with us today. Um, And you know, I'm just gonna jump right into things because I'm very excited to have this conversation here. Um, and my the first question that I wanna ask you is, how did you get into group relations work and what are your current efforts in group relations? Thanks. Thank you all. It's lovely to be here with you. Um, I really appreciate the invitation. How I got into group relations work, you know, my first conference was in 1992 at the Howard School of Divinity in Washington, D.C. And um, little did I know that that experience would change my life in many, many different ways. Um, And since then, I've done small study group training, uh, you know, other conferences and then I started doing one-day events uh, for different schools and classes and all of that, which was a lot of fun, actually. So I kind of rolled into it, and then eventually I rolled more and more and more, and here I am. And currently, um, there are little things that I do that are not group relations related, really. So... Um, you know, it's, it's about conferences, it's about application of group relations, it's about teaching group relations, doing training, writing about it, do some research. Um, and then in the, in the coaching, it's just using the concepts, you know, and translating them for people like roles and system dynamics and uh, making sense of group dynamics for people that's they know that they're in something's happening, but you know how do they how do they understand these things? So that's a little of what I'm doing, really. Yeah. Renee, can you share more about the application piece? It sounds like through the coaching, you're definitely able to bring group relations to the greater world outside of like conferences and one day events. What other ways do you practice right now bringing this work to people outside of the space? That's a good. It's um, a good question. You know, it. it um, yeah, you know, I've been thinking about that, and it's the whole notion of group relations is so part of me 
that I'm not sure that I really uh, verbalize the concepts. I just use them, you know, like so when I see a pairing, for example, I may break it up or I may uh, say something about it. Or when I see some flight going on in a group that I'm facilitating, um, I may redirect the conversation. Uh, so it's not that I am saying, okay, now you're doing flight behavior. It's more like, okay, can we, you know, can we go back to, to what we were talking about? So that's how I apply it. Um, and then in, in terms of teaching people, but it's not really application. That's really teaching concepts, you know, and, and help people um, see how they can apply the concept. For example, counseling students or leadership students or Nonprofit students, yeah, but it's a little different, I think. Yeah, you know, my experiences with you, Renee, um, you know, I've seen you in, in action doing your work. And uh, it's, it's quite amazing, like how you pull all this stuff together. And I can't help but think about all the different experiences that you've had. Um, so, you know, based on those experiences, you know, just in the field of group relations, you know, where do you, has group relations been? Where do you think it currently is? And um, where do you think it could go? Yeah. Hmm. I like your last question the best, frankly, where I think it could go. Because, you know, where it has been is not all that important, I don't think. And where it currently is, um, I think it's in transition, really. And, uh, you know, there are group relations communities who uh, want to hold on to the tradition and to the methodology in a very strong way. And I think that's wonderful. And we need that to a certain extent. And then there are other communities who like to uh, apply it and bring it forward and, and develop it. Um, you know, with the question, then immediately, is it then still group relations or not? And, and actually, that's not a very important question to me anymore. Maybe it was 10 years ago, because I still wanted to be part of this group relations community. Whereas now, you know, we just do what we do to make the world a better place. And whether you call that group relations or not, that's not a fight that I want to engage in, really. Um, so, so that's one thing. And in terms of what I see um, for group relations, I, I think that, um, you know, group relations is a, was developed in a certain era, and that era is no longer. And so uh, our theory probably needs to have some updates and changes. I think leadership has changed, authority has changed. And... Um, can we be bold enough to explore these things, you know? So, for example, um, can, can a conference director, uh, I mean, in the, in, the, in the narrow group relations world, can a conference director, uh, for example, give up some powers and uh, let other people take the lead? Uh, well, that's unheard of in, in a more classic uh, group relations way. But I think we could play with that, you know, or um, what has always fascinated me about group relations is that, I mean, it's 
amazing to see a group of people coming together and then explore the unconscious, but mostly in terms of leadership and authority. But what about if you explore the unconscious absent leadership and authority? Like what can, what then develops and what can grow out of that group of people? And I think we have a wonderful methodology where we can use some of it, but not necessarily all of it, and then try to see what happens. So, for example, we did this once, well, actually a couple of times, with the collective consciousness conversation where the, the leadership of that event, um, we called ourselves guides rather than, you know, a conference director and a staff and all of that. And we let people... Um, well, we let emerge what emerged from that group. And uh, it, was, it was very powerful. It was very energetically potent, I would say. Uh, and I think many connections were made. Um, it, it didn't particularly become a movement or a, a thing to do. Um, but, but I'm thinking, you know, we should do something with this again, because I think the time is probably riper now than it was 10 years ago, actually. Um, so that's one part. And then maybe the other part to say is, so I, I think, and this is what, what GRI is about to a certain extent, is, um, you know, building a group relations community. Um, many people who go through conferences powerful learnings and then they walk away from the conference and that they are really on their own to a certain extent. And, and to me, it's like if we have learned to look at the world through a certain lens, can we support each other in that? And can we then, you know, like build things together or do things together? And, um, and, and that is what I'm more with GRI, I think. And this is, you know, I think this is a wonderful example of that, the podcast. Because um, you have fun doing this, at least I hope. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let, let me ask but, you. But, well, okay, Manny, you're just going to jump on in. So, yeah, this is no, kind no, of our no, fun. Go ahead, we're, we're talking over each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're about to get some piece going here. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about this, of course. So, Renee, we're fighting I'll just over wait. you. We're, we're I'll just wait. I'll just you. wait. Right. Clearly in competition, pairing, fighting, all D, all the above. Uh, <laughs> so I'll just say it. But, you know, one of the things that I, I just kind of want to bring you know, uh, and, 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 and really just kind of tease out and, and be precise uh, for, for those who are, who are listening to this, it, my experience of what you just shared, Renee, is that uh, it's not like you're abandoning the traditional way of doing things it's like you're adjusting to what's going on right now in the moment and one of the things that landed for me not necessarily what you share but it landed for me in this way is to see if we could be brave enough to play boldly uh, to see what other frontiers that group relations could move into in order to meet where we are in this current moment and for what we are dealing with at this moment in time in history. Is that accurate to? It's, it's very accurate. So it's re I, and I appreciate you emphasizing that it's really not to abandon the great gift that uh, has been given to us. I mean, it's really uh, using that and, and, standing on the shoulders of that 
as using it as a foundation and then moving beyond it you know like for example here in the u.s uh, in particular um, diversity equity and inclusion is a big deal at the moment and i think group relations can play an enormous role in that uh, but do we need to do that really then also looking at authority and leadership, maybe not necessarily. Maybe it's just enough to have conversations with each other in a small group or large group where we don't particularly pay attention to how the group relates to us, but more, you know, can we almost facilitate a conversation or, or consult to a conversation that can be had uh, without our egos getting in the way? Um, necessarily and making it about authority as a very concrete example right yeah i, I like that example and so the, the the place that where i go with that when i'm associating with it is just a, this idea of being good stewards of the gift uh, that we've been given and and molding it into the moment uh, that that we're that we're dealing with uh, okay awesome Manny, it's your turn. Yeah, you come on. <laughs> no, because you know, for me, I like to to listen closely and pick at little things that I heard, and then ask for elaboration. So, so for me, what I heard um, centered really around the what you said about changing to from being like directors to guide. And I just wanted just to know, Renee, like, can you talk why was was that important? Like, how could something such so small make such a big difference? Why why was that? And I'm just curious about that. Well, it it wasn't only a title change; um, it was really a role shift. So, if you you know, if you think of going to a conference where the director is not a director but a guide. Um, it's then it's very different if really the uh, the decisions that the director makes then be, become more of a guide than saying okay this is how it's going to be so for example you know and i'm making this up in the moment really so i've never really practiced with this one uh, in particular but if a director says you know small study group is from eight to nine o'clock it's from eight to nine o'clock, right? I mean, the staff then agrees to that and members may or may not agree to it, but we stop at nine o'clock. If it's a guide, then if people go on for another you know, 30 minutes and they want to shift the whole organization, uh, that requires a whole different attitude of the director uh, and, and a whole different uh, perspective of the staff and... Um, and I don't know, you know, we need to play with those things. Well, we, I'm not sure we need to play with those things, but we could play with those things in a relatively safe environment because it could, it could also, you know, I listened to your podcast on, on boundaries, but it could also be unsafe, right? If, if there's no structure or not enough structure, then um, um, what will happen? And who is in charge and responsible and accountable and... Um, so we need to be we need to be careful with innovations and changes. Uh, so so many the the guy that I talked about was it was a totally different event. It wasn't a group relations conference. 
but it made use of group relations, you know, techniques, technology, um, but it wasn't the group relations conference. Yeah, I think that's actually a helpful segue to our next question, Renee. Um, so as you know, um, GRI sponsors this podcast. Um, you're a co-founder of GRI. You're the executive director of GRI. And you work with us in a Venn diagram, birth of ways and connection to GRI. Um, but we know that GRI is not like the oldest group relations organization. And the primary output of GRI is not conference life. I would say um, there's a lot of things going on in GRI. So maybe if you don't mind giving the listeners um, a little bit of a story of how GRI came to be um, as a co-founder, but then um, also what it is today. Um, and I guess thinking future-wise, uh, what we what GRI might be able to bring as far as expanding group relations you know, beyond the traditional set, like we've talked about, of thinking and testing the limits of different ways to bring this work, but in a safe, contained enough way. Um, for a variety of audiences. Yeah. Wow. You put a lot in that uh, <laughs> question. I may need reminders. It's okay. <laughs> uh, you, you know, the way GRI started is uh, on the back porch of a house in Washington, D.C. Uh, uh, with Lamise Girard, Zachary Green, and myself. And, um, and we were just, I don't know, thinking, you know, talking, uh, friends, group relations friends, you know what that is like. <laughs> and uh, we just have conversations and, uh, and we started talking about how can we do this in a slightly different way. I mean, I, you know, of course, the moment was very important, but I don't remember it as an important moment. So I, you know, I would make up if I would say more about it and I don't want to do that really. But that's where it started. And, um, and slowly, we, um, I think we sponsored some things, then we moved to the Netherlands, and then at a certain point, like a burst of energy was happening again, and we, Zachary and I, invited, um, you know, three other people to join us, and, and we became the GRI board, so to speak. And part of our um, way of operating was very interesting and difficult at times. But part of our way of operating was if two people talk to each other and they agree on an idea, then they can just do it. And they don't need the approval of the other three. And they, you know, eventually these other three would be informed, but they just do it. So it's, it was an energetic thing, so to speak. And we did that. And um, it required lots of trust because, you know, sometimes things went out and other people didn't know that things went out and you know you get the whole thing it was messy but it was quite wonderful actually and the energetic component was the most important one then we moved back to the u.s <clears throat> um, the board changed and then we decided that we need to have a, a little bit more classic uh, form um, you know there would be one spokesperson for gri like the executive director a person who signs things and you know, to fit in the rest of the world, really. So that's what we, that's what we did. But then what happened is that, um, so I'm, I mean, you know this at this point, but I'm a big believer in energy. If the energy, if it, if it, if, if, if it, if the energy is right, then things will happen. And if the energy is not right, then um, it won't happen. You know, like it's as easy as that. And so now it's really about. 
trying to read the energy of what is needed and necessary and then calling some meetings and seeing if people are interested. I mean, um, I mean, the podcast is an example of that. The blog is an example of that. You know, there's some other things, uh, small study group things. Uh, Philadelphia group is an example of that. And it's just kind of like nurturing the energy and, and bringing the energy to into light, maybe. That's, that's, that's the way to put it. And um, I mean, very recently, this morning, I had a conversation um, uh, with a community, community change initiative. And, um, you know, one person proposed it, I put it in our newsletter or announcements, and 25 people reacted to it. And there were you know, 20 people there this morning. We had a conversation. Of course, it was messy. We don't know what we're doing, really. But I trust that something will happen out of it and um, it's going to be wonderful. And, you know, in my mind, that is how, how GRI works. It's where spirituality comes in. It's where energy comes in. It's where, um, you know, excitement comes in, things like that. So I don't really have a big vision for GRI other than, you know, these pods, these communities. Um, but I do strongly believe in energy and it will take care of itself somehow. Awesome. Does that un- answer all your questions? That it were does in there answer all of our questions well, that, for that set, yes. Um, I do want to be mindful too. So we're at like the midway point with our questions. I know at the beginning you said you wanted the opportunity to potentially turn the mic back to us. So um, giving the floor back to you just as a reminder in case you wanted to present your questions. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful reminder, and it, it, I mean it's kind of interesting because in the questions I noticed how excited I get actually, <laughs> and it's, it's kind of interesting to see you know to step outside of it to do the balcony thing, <laughs> the dance floor thing, you know, all mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. So thanks for the reminder. Let me pause and ask you all of you like where do you see GRI going? Yeah, it's so interesting, Renee, because. Um, everything that you're talking about, of course, has come up, I think, in different conversations that I've had with each individual person on this call and through different group relations pro- uh, projects that, namely, like you and Group Relations International have allowed to kind of come to fruition. Um, and right now, I'm running a group with one other person, and it was targeted towards people who are newer in the work um, and, or people who want to get back into the work. And we wanted to make it super accessible, but one of the things that we've been doing within it is really testing out what I would call softer ways of taking up our leadership or doing what maybe more handholding than you would see at a traditional group relations conference. Um, And that has evoked a lot of emotions for folks, some who have been to conferences, some who have not. There's been a lot of like uh, people who like it, but then people who are questioning it. And I guess to answer your question, like, I'm personally seeing that we do have to be innovative in the way that we're not only taking up our leadership, but the way in which we're presenting these concepts to people, like a lot of the conversations about how technical a lot of the meat of group relations is, once we really get into it, and the fact that, you know, it's not available in every language, and it's very uh, kind of like, Americanized, at least in its core, European, like European in its foundation, um, 
and white European at that. Although we had an interesting conversation. I think Amber was there that there's actually some other roots that are playing in, which is a separate conversation that aren't always acknowledged um, from the foundations of group relations. But anyhow, I think um, I'm hoping that there is going to be continued space to continue to kind of play, as you're saying, and show up differently in our role as leader and to continue to make creative projects to bring this to the masses in ways that's more accessible. And even the project that you were speaking about earlier today, um, I think is really cool, right? Like the idea of wanting to bring this to younger kids or to create content that is based in group relations teachings, but that is palatable for the population at large, rather than just people who have completed a higher education feels so important, not only to keep the work going, but also to um, keep it exciting and relevant, as you're saying, because things are constantly changing. And even I loved what you said that leadership and authority is looking different as like, you know, genders are changing and the whole racial equity uh, stuff is on the table in a different kind of way to the masses, I think than ever before and being non-binary and all of this stuff, there's all these different ways that people are showing up in their role as leader. And I hope that in the future in group relations, there's space for those things to exist um, in a more full way where we don't have to work so hard to, you know, uh, push for that and, and get so stuck in the traditional, well, this is the way we take up our authority and our leadership. And this is the way that, conferences are supposed to be and this is the way that group relations stuff is supposed to be so that's for me but I'm excited about it and I think again the opportunities you've presented to us through group relations international have been really fun to keep the energy going even outside of conference spaces um and it's still hard work but I don't think you can only do conferences all the time at least I can't I appreciate the opportunity to do to still engage with the work in the community in different ways without having to constantly be in a conference format. And I think that's important. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, you say one thing that's really important, I think, because you, you say something about uh, all this hard work in terms of the tradition and, you know, how it's changing. And I think one of the, one of the things about group relations um, individually, internally, is that, um, there's room for all my different parts, even contradictory parts, right? And I think mm -hmm. if we um, take that seriously, there should also be room in the group for all these different parts. So the conservative part or the more traditional part and the um, innovative part. And and that's that's going to be a difficult conversation that you know but can we look at it from a group relations perspective in terms of that uh, you know these two streams if you will um, represent something you know and and I think uh, rather than making it divisive can it can we bridge somehow can, can we acknowledge that uh, we balance each other perhaps so and it's, of course, not only with tradition and with innovation, but it's also, in, you know, within race and gender and social class and um, countries mm -hmm. and languages. I mean, you name it, you know. Yeah. 
I just got a tattoo recently that said everything is connected. So I feel you on the fact that, yeah, we all rely on each other um, to contrast against each other to kind of see our uniqueness. And so what can we learn and take from each other um, to make a better world? Uh, I think for me, I'm a little bit more technical of my answers of what I would hope to see for the future of GRI. I think some of it is already kind of happening in real time. um, And I have to continue to remind myself kind of to your point of the dance floor and the balcony. It's like (laughs) history is being created in the present moment. And so like the group that Lauren talked about to be accessible to like um, people that maybe otherwise couldn't afford conference structures, or this is of course created pre-COVID where like now you can get an online conference for $75, which is amazing. Um, But that wasn't the case when we created it. And as a co-founder, like that was something that's really important to me and something that I continue to find important in and made sure as the more accessible conferences came to be in COVID that I sent them to my community members to make sure like, hey, we're never probably gonna see something like this again, or if we do, it might be more augmented, so jump on it while you can. Um, and I think other like other things like the podcast and things of that nature, like Manny and I bringing back up the t-shirt conversation about like, we should maybe <laughs> bring that back out um, as another way again to reach the masses. So there's just a lot of ways to touch people's lives. Um, and I think GRI in its structure and its creation was for me and what I heard and what I feel permeated in the organization is about like never being, uh, I guess, complacent or happy with just like this one thing. Like we can be happy with this and build and at the same time. And so I just think being creative and thinking outside the box in whatever way is something that I really want to see continue to happen. And I'm grateful to be a part of and I'm grateful that you, I guess, in some ways take kind of the new eight generation of like me and Lauren coming up with an idea and you being like, okay, sure, let's talk about like the technicalities of this or like us group coming up with the podcast idea and you being like, great, you have a crew, like I'll supply the microphones and we'll see what happens. And so it's just nice to have someone that's like, yes, and at all times and never really a hard no. Um, So I guess you're spoiling us, Renee. (laughs) Just try me. Um, But I think the other thing that I was thinking about too for the future of GRI, which I haven't necessarily talked to you about, so I'm curious um, as the first time it's come up, is like, Um, I think a lot of what happens in GRI is concerning the succession plan and knowing that it will go on and outlive you all. But I think one thing I've noticed on the board and with the ED and like all of you are older, (laughs) so no offense, but like, so then how do we bring in like younger folks and not necessarily like as young as me, because I know that I'm on the way younger side of the totem pole, but like maybe like 40 something year olds to either like be I don't know, like, because I guess our structure is so different than like election cycles and someone has a time to roll off and roll, like we don't have that. So like for me, I was thinking like potentially like a junior something that kind of like, I guess learns more of the like how GRI runs content um, because I luckily have been, I guess a grateful, you know, child of GRI, but like I haven't experienced what like, the weight of what running an or by like a viable and vivacious organization really means, even with working on like the website project and knowing that you've had someone come in and be like, okay, how do we fundraise and make sure that this can last a long time? So I guess I'm thinking, I don't know if this is a question I'm asking you back, but <laughs> my thought is, has there been thought about like more formal ways to bring the younger people into some of the back end of GRI? Um, so that, you know, we're not just all out here podcasting and running groups. And then we look up and we're like, who's going to run uh, the organization type of thing? 
I think it's great. Uh, I don't think it's a question. It's a suggestion. And I take it on board. And you're absolutely right. And at the same time, you know, um, I much prefer, for the moment at least, that young people put their energy into what is really exciting to them rather than, you know, um, how would you say, rather, rather than um, doing more boring stuff, really, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, the board conversations are very nice in part because we only have perhaps two a year. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's this whole organization happening right. that you don't know about, really. So I think it's much more important to be on the floor than um, it is to either fight about things or... Um, <laughs> well, who said there's no fighting happening on the dance floor, Renee? Toes getting stepped on, drinks getting spilled, somebody got two left feet. <laughs> You know, I used to be a dancer. You don't know that, but I I used to be a competitive dancer and I really? know what competition looks like. Oh my God. I used to dance I'm for 10 you. years, I'm Renee. So fun fact. Oh, yeah. you have a I didn't do competitions, but classically trained. That's great. But I, but I hear you, Amber, and we are um, slowly addressing the whole notion of succession. Uh, because it, you know, it's very important, and I, I would love for the organization to continue. And at the same time, I'm also thinking it will take care of itself. You know, the energy is there, and it will happen. It will happen, mm-hmm. and and perhaps in a different way than it's currently happening. So I could see co-directors, for example, or right. you know, a couple of people who take it over, or maybe maybe there could be a, a leadership group who does similar things that we did, you know, 15 years ago uh, mm-hmm. around this energetic stuff. So, but I hear you, we need to talk about it, make it more explicit and invite younger people in that conversation. And <laughs> yes to that. <laughs> so I may give you a call at some point. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I got to ask, you know, because when we talk about the future of it, this was a question that I had in the past at a conference. And um, I I enjoy group relations, you know, so much. And to the point like that uh, Amber made just now about um, legacy, is there ever could be such a thing as a group relations international academy or, or an institution, something of the which where folks can come in because when I think about some of the conferences that have happened in the past or are are happening currently or the opportunities that are actually out there, it's not always the case that um, I myself can join. And let's say I really love that topic, but that topic isn't going to come up again because maybe it's quote unquote, not relevant to what's going on right now in current times. And so maybe that conference was a one-time conference based on the topic and it won't come up again but if it's an academy and you have the opportunity where these have existed in the past and there's opportunities and options for people to take them i'm curious if if, is that something that is realistic it's a good question um i think it's realistic i mean it's happening right uh, Tavistock Institute of Human Relations has a physical place. It does all kinds of different stuff, including group relations, but not only. 
And, um, and I think something like that could happen in the United States as well. I mean, it just requires energy and resources and commitment. Um, and I think, you know, perhaps we are on our way to building something like it. And at the same time, I think we need to um, realize that putting something like that together, like a, a physical thing that people can visit, requires um, uh, lots of definitely money, but also attention, you know, like a building requires enormous attention and it requires an enormous resources, actually. And if we want to collectively, I, I'm mm -hmm. sure we could make it happen. Is that my is that my dream? Not particularly, frankly. Um, not, not because I don't want it, but it. I don't feel that the energy is quite right for that, actually. And I would much prefer that the energy goes into accessibility of our product or products to, um, you know, to people around the world, actually. Um, and and I and I think, you know, the COVID year has been a gift in that way to a certain extent I mean it sounds a bit weird but it has been a gift in, in you know we have done three small group trainings in a year actually four um, uh, a director's training um, you know we we offered uh, a spiritual path exploration um, so, so a lot is happening for relatively little money I think so but if you see that differently, Manny, I'm I'm curious to hear about that. Actually, explore that a little bit. It's interesting because I'm curious if it's one of the. It feels like one of those things where it's like if you build it, you know, they will come, right? I think there's tons of people who have been exposed to group relations that are still continuing it, high levels, and being innovative in it, um, where there are where where they are doing it to the point that maybe new people that they're doing it with are interested or intrigued in some way, but need a little bit more to figure out well, where where else does this exist and so in, in that sense i i think it's possible now with what you said earlier with how gri can take care of itself maybe that's that's how it happens um i i you know my energy would be there to 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 be a part of that if you know if that's if that's where we go with it um and i'd be curious to hear where other people's energies are if that was going to be a direction you know so um, it does answer my question. So, I, you know, I really appreciate that. And I think too, it's a great segue into what we wanted to ask about as well, this idea of accessibility, um, Renee, and you've already spoken a lot about some of the different ways that G group relations has been made more accessible recently. Um, but I'm curious your thoughts on how we can continue to prioritize accessibility um, and I think it's also important that one thing that I think you're already doing very well is the, the way in which you make yourself accessible to co-creators, you know, like, I don't know if any co-creators are listening, but in case you didn't know, you can literally contact Renee or Jody, you know, or whatever with an idea, just like Manny or Amber just did and have a conversation about it, which feels very accessible to people who really care about this and who really want to be a part. Um, and so I think that's already something that you're doing personally that makes this work 
um, more tangible. But what else do you think that we can do to continue focusing on making this available to the masses? Hmm. I'm not sure that group relations is for the masses. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, um, we offer a complex thing and it's not for everyone. And, and I think we need to acknowledge that and own that and, and our, perhaps our privilege and exclusivity around it. And at the same time, I think we could translate concepts and, um, uh, help people understand some of these concepts in a in an easier way than we offer. So I'm definitely with that. But when I think of accessibility, if, for example, I don't I don't want money to be in the way of people uh, attending a conference. Um, and as far as I know, it hasn't. Like whenever a request comes in in terms of scholarship or. Uh, you know, I can't afford it, but I would like to attend. We are relatively responsive to that. Um, and um, I, I do think that it would be helpful to find communities, and particularly young people, actually, where we can um, uh, incorporate group relations concepts, you know? Like, just a simple thing like BART. I mean, it doesn't have to be all that complicated, but to teach high school students about boundaries and authority and role and task. Mm -hmm. um, we've done that in the past with conferences and, you know, we can do that again. Mm -hmm. But it also requires, of course, access and, um, you know, corporation and investment. And, and I don't mean financial investment necessarily, but time investment. Um, access is a, is, is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rod, where are you? Where are you with all of this? There's a lot, uh, as you might imagine, to unpack with everything that's been shared. So, yeah. in the in an attempt to be brief, like, what I'm hearing uh, is an application around uh, healing uh, more than anything else, and and how uh, some of this work could be applied uh, to help people heal. Um, personally, on an individual level, and then heal culturally as well. Mm -hmm. Like when I think about things like uh, inclusion, diversity, and equity, and even when I think about leadership and I think about authority and I think about like who's privileged and who's not, yeah. for me, what begins to emerge are several, you know, histories uh, that we have either acknowledged and privileged and we've elevated or others that we know are out there, but we've minimized, or others that have just gone, you know, unacknowledged. And so yeah. when I think about this work in particular, and I think about who it's for, um, beyond its complexity and beyond its, um, you know, learning styles that are a little more reflective that might, you know, gravitate towards something like this, I think that this work could be applicable uh, to the masses, if it was translated appropriately, if it was guided appropriately to help people understand some of the histories that they, you know, are reenacting with the intention of healing, further intention of bridge yeah. building, as you were speaking to earlier. 
and all the anxieties that come along with that. And with Manny's question, the thing that comes to my mind or the I'm associating with that is, uh, you know, how valuable, you know, this work could be to society, to others, if we were able to uh, play boldly, going back to an earlier segment of this, right. to play boldly to to meet the challenge of the moment, how valuable would this be to people? Um, and all of this accessibility, however, you know, we interpret that and, uh, and for those who are looking to make big changes, who have those kind of resources, and you know, they can't quite get out of their own way to make the difference, you know, that they um, nobly intend, you know, to to create in their actions. Yeah, it makes sense and it resonates, you know, uh, because then I think we use what we know to reach people and to make um, um, I, I want to say to educate them or to give them something but it but it, it it's to help them discover something maybe that's a better way of putting it because it's not like we have it and they don't it's more like can we share of our wealth you know, maybe intellectual wealth in a way that uh, makes sense to people or communities. And I'm totally, I'm totally with you. And then it raises the question, um, <laughs> um, well, it's an application. I think it's an application of group relations. It, it doesn't raise a question. It's just an application of group relations. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I'm with you. It, you know, one of the things that I that is really in my mind around group relations is capacity building. How do we build capacity? And, um, and I think capacity building has a lot to do with healing actually, because it's like, how, how can we, how can we build a container um, that is big enough for the, the different pieces to be inside of it. Right. And, um, and that's not so easy. That's not so easy individually, and that is definitely not easy as a group or as a society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we we other. I mean, if we other ourselves, how can we not other other people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, Renee, there's a, there's other people listening right now, and I'm not. I don't know if everyone knows what it means to other. If you want to be, if you want to kind of explain that a little bit. Well, I have four people who can do that with me. So take it away, Manny. <laughs> Get him. I mean, in, in my... But thank you for the reminder. I, I appreciate that because we talk yeah. jargon. Yes. Well, yeah, because for me, when I've, when I've come across othering other people, um, it's really placing, placing people in a, in a group or a category. And... And so in, in that sense, they, they're kind of alienated in some way and spoken to in a very general generalized sense. At least in my experience, that's how I've come to understand it. Group, team? I think it just goes back to what Renee was talking about earlier of like, you know, everything is connected, but in our regular egocentric selves it's very much you versus them versus me whoever the them is and the me's are in that particular moment in that particular time so i think 
um, Good Relations just offers us an opportunity to, re to reconsider um, building the bridge and working through difference and across difference rather than um, letting minor things, whether that's our perception of people or something someone said, a group that they belong to from a social identity standpoint or something to keep us from that. So. It's, yeah. You know, yeah. it's interesting because I'm sorry, I have a I have a stone here <laughs> and it has a quote on it. And it says, how should we treat the other? And then the answer is, there is no other. Yeah. Yeah. Period. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is a coincidence, listeners. Nothing is a coincidence. <laughs> Sorry, Rod, I couldn't resist. No, I mean, it actually kind of segues in what I was going to say anyway. And that when I think about the other, you know, it's like that imaginary line in the sand where I'm on one side right. and the person's over on the other side. And then, you know, they are the ones with the problems as, as if, I don't have, you know, the problem that right. they have. And so it's not until you know, I erase that line in the sand that to your next question, Manny, you know, the that's how the othering stops uh, is mm -hmm. when I can recognize in someone else that I too have that as well. So. Yeah, there's no not me. Right. Which is which is a tough one. Yeah, I don't know exactly where Manny are you uh are you thinking, Manny? What's happening? No, it's there? good. I, you know, I just again, it was more for our listeners to kind of understand where we're going with some of the things that we're saying and understanding context and how we use certain um, jargon that we that we have. And so it, it answers it for me. I just wanted to make sure we kind of explored that. No meat left on on that bone. Um, Renee, I have one last question for you um, before we transition out of this uh, this episode, and. Um, that question is, um, what, where, where, with where you are in your journey now today, um, what is a message that you just want to share with our listeners about GR, about group relations? Um, you know, I think that group relations is really a wonderful methodology um, to, to understand and ultimately influence groups and systems. Uh, there are other methodologies, you know, but it, for me, um, it's really a, a wonderful methodology. And in some ways, it has given me um, a way of looking at the world that makes sense to me, um, you know, in the sense that um, it helps to see patterns um, by uh, looking at visible patterns, but also paying attention to invisible patterns. It, it, and when I was thinking about this invisible patterns, it's like invisible ink, you know, it's not that it's not there. It's just how do you what method do you need to make the invisible ink visible and what method do you use to make the invisible patterns visible? And I think group relations to a certain extent does that, um, you know, and, and I think it so in my experience and in my life, group relations really has helped to create a better world, a, a world that is less divisive, more bridge building, um, where there is lots of place for diversity and uh, 
it, it, it's about interconnectedness and 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 uh, holding that interconnectedness is not only a value it's it's almost undeniable almost undeniable it is undeniable <laughs> you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying this is where the spirituality comes in to a certain extent you know it's all one really so i'm not sure that it is a message but that's what i believe <laughs> There you go. What do you believe? What do you believe? So tell me, I put you on the spot and then we can stop. How's that? Manny. <laughs> Amber, you go. What do I believe was the question? What message would you like to share with listeners about group relations? What, what is the core message for you? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I think for me, the the biggest thing that I've received from group relations work is probably my own in- individual shadow work. Um, like I, and as someone who's like been in therapy my whole life on and off, um, I feel like I never really, really, truly got to the crux of. And I think also I got introduced to group relations at twenty two, so <laughs> there's also like developmentally, my frontal lobe is barely fully developed um, at that point. So there could also be just the mature maturation, but I think the combination of stepping into group relations at that age, at that time, um, and even today as I'm you know approaching 30, still feeling like the shadow work is the biggest thing that I've gotten from it. So I, mm. I feel like people are looking to kind of see the complexity of themselves, the patterns that they play out on a day-to-day unconsciously or consciously and actually face that <laughs> um, and navigate through it and work through mm. it and, I think, you know, the biggest misconception is that everything that you find about yourself, that shadow piece is like you need to automatically fix and change and clean off and all that jazz. But like, honestly, for me, I think it's the awareness and then having the ability to choose um, how you want to move forward. And I think if you're not consciously aware of your actions or if you're not getting the mirror shown to you, um, then you're not really choosing. You're just going on a conveyor belt. Um, and so I say for people that feel like they haven't actually made choices about their day-to-day life or people that feel like they do but have never really sat and been in a room of strangers and truly seen (laughs) if that's the case or not um i think for me that's my biggest drawing point of why i would tell people to come and of course spirituality and the social justice but you can do all those things at other environments as well Um, but i think that there's just something unique about the combination of this work together that really illuminates um all of our parts um in a way that is both earth shattering in some capacities um, when it happens, um, but also really illuminating um, and amazing when you see a different, you know, other things too. So taking all of that together, mm. um, I think would be my message. Beautifully. <laughs> so Manny, did you have a chance to think now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't really need to think on on, on that, to be honest. Okay. I'm sorry for the silence. Yeah, no, oh, okay. sorry. I, I didn't really need to think on that because I think we, I mean, we covered that when we first kicked off the podcast and we talked about what our intentions were for listeners. And to be honest Fair with enough. you, there's nothing I could say that would be different than what Amber just shared. I think um, what's really important to me is is really that shadow side, being able to be conscious as much as you can again, about your patterns and like how you're showing up, you know, what happens when you get into a space. And for our listeners, I want them to be able to think about these things. I want them to be able to tune in and have an opportunity to challenge them themselves and to provoke their thoughts with some of the things that we probably think about every single day, but the people that we're around won't, um, 
they won't entertain the thought because it it kind of maybe goes against the grain or maybe you know it no one has the time to really sit there and 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 focus on those things because there's other natural things happening in their life mm-hmm. and so i think for me for the listeners let this podcast be that place for you if you haven't gone to a conference or if you're not necessarily fully involved um, in a conference or, or with GR work to be able to come here and have the space to think about this and, and then to pose us questions offline um, so that we can continuously be challenged. Mm-hmm. I mean, even on air, I'm, I, <laughs> I'm genuinely afraid of having a, a here and now moment because so much has actually happened from the time that we've started this podcast. And I'm very happy, Renee, that you haven't challenged us with a here mm. and now moment. I don't know which one of our guests will do that. Um, because in the here and now, you're, you know, there's something about that, that you're completely focused, you're completely tuned in. And for our listeners, it would be beautiful for them to, you know, kind of see how we do it, but for them to also have that experience as well. So that's what I would say that. Then you need to change the task, my friend. There it is. <laughs> Okay. No, I'd love to hear from Rod and Lauren as well, but it's yeah. you know that's for maybe for me more than I don't know. No, I I, I think it's a fair question. Um, I'll hop in, Lauren, unless you want to go. All right, I, I think for me the message about group relations is that uh, it's an opportunity, you know, to explore what's in the background of every human endeavor, and in my language, you know, it's mm-hmm. issues or dynamics around love, power, and justice. Um, hmm. and, uh, and being able to explore those different dynamics, uh, you're, I find myself left with choice, uh, as Amber spoke to now that I can see the situation, perhaps just a little more fully than maybe I had before started off with. And, um, uh, to be, uh, brave enough and courageous enough to be able to speak the unspeakable. Uh, has been mm-hmm. a big thing for me with group relations and how I've translated that into my life. It, you know, with the different conferences, whether I'm a member in the conference or if I'm on staff on the conference, it's always something I'm able to bring back into my life to see things just a little differently. And then um, I think the the final thing, and like I said, I guess it kind of comes back to, you know, the, the, a theme or thread in, in this particular podcast is that, um, there's always a moment of, of healing um, and, and creating, I'm just kind of coming to this in, in this podcast, actually creating like healing bridges, you know, so that societies can be all that they, you know, are, are, are wanting to be and, and mobilizing all the resources that they have in order to create the societies that they want. So that that's my, message um you know just kind of coming up and being with that in this moment for our listeners about group relations that's great thanks yeah for me i don't know if i have some beautifully spoken message as some have shared um what message would i want listeners to hear about group relations i mean i guess um you know, we've talked a lot about healing and the shadow work. And I think when I think of the dichotomy of those two things, like group relations work 
is a space for deep fulfillment, deep pain, deep seeing, lots of, you know, really thorough exploration of self. And um, I think if anyone feels tired out doing group relations ever, like, I think getting to that healing part is really important, what Rod was just talking about. Um, Because I think this, even this podcast has been painful for me at times. It feels really scary to put yourself out into the universe on the interweb and your words are forever crystallized, you know, until it goes away again, like MySpace or whatever, you know, technology is always advancing. But um, without group relations, without group relations, I wouldn't have um, the framework to explore and to test that out and to question in the same type of way like why is it so painful what's so hard what am I hiding Mm -hmm. from in my group relations teachings even though it's been kind of terrifying at times to do this thing um has led to all of my greatest revelations in my life which I've spoke about and I hope that you know even when people feel tired doing this work that they keep pushing through if it feels as you were say saying earlier connected with their energy and where that's taking them. I think it's important to remember that there is like the brightness after the darkness. Mm. And, you know, even having you on here, Renee, definitely reminds me of that because, um, you know, I think it's such a blessing to have you and to, you know, in, in a way get to crystallize your words and this experience with you and to share your gifts and your thoughts with other people as well. So even though the podcast can be scary. There's all these really wonderful things that come from it as well. And, you know, to be able to share that with other people feels really awesome. So thank you again for being here with us. Yeah, thanks so much, Renee. Thank you all for doing this and for having me and for making this an easy enough experience. <laughs> really. <laughs> what I'm hearing is you're going to be coming back, Renee. You, you don't mind. You know, when I'm 80, when I, will, I'm 80. I will be back. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Renee. To everyone listening, thank you for so much for tuning in today. And we look forward to talking to you virtually in our next episode of Beyond the Boundaries. That's right. Sponsored by GRI. <laughs> Yay. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Ciao, ciao.